Alrighty, and we are back. Episode 18 of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. Alongside Teddy Pristash, I am Blake Pace. It is Thursday, July 21st. Uh, when this podcast comes out, we are on a good stretch of some Thursday pods here, uh, but we'll probably switch back to, to Wednesdays at some point, I'm assuming. Whenever um, I stop having random things happen on Tuesdays, we're there. Exactly. The <laughs> going up on a Tuesday. Um, but we are here. We are on the cusp of, of training camp. Rookies have reported. We are, what is it now? Is it 48 days by the time this comes out until the season, or is it 49? I was 50 think today. I think 49 was today. I don't know. I get confused the, with how well, you Well, because it was in the it was in the group chat, and yep. and I don't remember if it was in the group chat yesterday. But then today. I saw today a tweet. Was kind of a blur. I think it was today, but I saw a tweet that said 49. So you know, go to someone else to count we're down in, your. We're in your the high 40s. Exact we're days. There. We're, we're almost. almost I mean, once you hit that 50 mark, it really does feel that way too. Like I know, um, like obviously camp drags a while. It does. You know, and like preseason, like isn't the most exciting and it's only the rookies reporting today. We still have a week until it actually starts. But this this week kind of doesn't really count. But once we get to next week, I mean, we're in it. And then we're what, two weeks away from from the first week of full like first full week of preseason games. Um, you know, we'll be seeing we'll be seeing uh, NFL teams play football in like 15 days. I think August 4th, I, I think, is the day. So. Yeah, it. it's exciting. We're getting there. Um, and it's it's time to to kind of nut up and get into this season, you know. I know. And, and we were talking before the show of how we've been doing a good job just finding things to actually talk about as far as the Jets go. And this is going to be one of the final weeks that we have to do that. So today's podcast, a little bit going over some housekeeping as always. We're going to go into and do our uh, 21st century all offense team for the New York Jets, which um, as we'll get into is is so funny because it's not like the Jets have been all that successful in the 21st century. So it's a easy, easy list to make, I'd say, because of that. But even for some of them, you're just like, Meh. yeah, we'll, we'll it's easy and there. hard at the same time. Exactly. Because you don't want to like you, we're giving all this credit to players where it's like, OK, right. you, you know, you were there for three years and you were really good during those three years. But before we get into all of that, of course, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. YouTube is the same as the twitter account teddy uh chilling in upstate new york how you doing today doing good man on that same grind as always working got the dog he's acting crazy good old but, river how's yeah, his, things are going everybody's well. everybody's worried i get everyone's all, asking get about his all leg. Time. How's, how's river doing he's doing well he uh he's officially i mean he's been fine for like a week now but okay, he's officially good. off like his meds off any restrictions as of yesterday so He's doing good. He's just a little boy. Nice little boy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, let's get right into it. A few housekeeping stuff. We've actually had some stuff happen this past week. First time in forever. I Real know, things yeah. to talk about. <laughs> Not talking about what's going on in Zach Wilson's personal life and right. gassing up people on Instagram. We'll give him a break, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Teddy, uh, the Jets cut things a little bit close there with Brees Hall for a second. Of course, he entered into, um, you know, I don't know if it was Shefty or Ian that put it out. It might have been Ian, I believe, that put out Hey, Brees Hall yet to sign his uh, rookie contract as the, the rookies report um, to to Jets training camp. And then it came out about an hour later. It was like, oh, no, he's, he's just going to sign it when he gets there. And sure enough, they got the deal done four years, got everything fixed away. It was funny. I remember when right after the draft or maybe it was a week or two after 
and you know they were getting some deals done with the first round picks you you were like it's it's nice not having any drama with some of the players and and not that this is drama at all but it did get to you know that potential of like not hold out but technically hold yeah out. yeah no that that was funny uh i was thinking about that today as well how i was like yeah we don't have to deal with it this year and then all of a sudden it's like do we have to deal with it right um but you know this is one of those stories that i i i didn't let become an issue and in, unless i it needed to be you know and basically that report came out saying he'd yet to sign and then you know like you said it came out that he was planning to on on day one when rookies report and then once this morning happened and uh or yesterday morning i don't know i get the days yeah. confused once that happened and they said he was in the building i was like all right it's a wrap so so that was good and you know it's interesting uh i mean kind of what the only thing that can really be negotiable um in these rookie deals is is you know how the guaranteed money comes in um and the, that's you know offset language that's what you always hear and that's what the jets have uh, dealt with the past few years with their with their number one picks um same thing with Brees hall but in this case they actually did they gave him three full years guaranteed i think that, that's just interesting i don't i'm not exactly sure how the other ones went down but i don't think um they have the jets have given in in that way um to any of these other picks hmm. maybe to wilson but i don't even think that's true um so, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, Brees Hall, we're, the the media and me and and the Jets are, are you know, staking a lot in him and, and are pretty confident he's going to be a great player. So, you know, hopefully this is this is no big deal that we're just guaranteeing. What is it? Nine million dollars, three million dollars a year for yeah. a great player. Hopefully that's what and we're doing. And a position where there's a lot of. Uh, vitality, is that the word I'm looking yes. for? Yeah. Um, volatility. Vol volatility. Wow. <laughs> Vitality. That's close though. Yeah, it was close enough. You guys knew where I was going, but yeah, it is interesting. It's funny now with, with the expectations for rookie running backs, not that we need to go too far into this, but you know, you go to the days of where Saquon's taken it to, and you look at that now and in his production, you're like, what a fucking bust there. Leonard Fournette at four, you know, Christian McCaffrey at eight. That one was I, he's been fantastic. You know, he's, he's been banged up a little bit, but he's still only 26 years old. And, and so you wouldn't, you know, of course, positional value is different. A guy like him, I would almost say worth it because he's been that team's yeah, entire offense the last few years. But now we're at the point where, you know, it, it is, you have to be a rare type of running back to even go in the first round. And, um, you know, the Jets made their move to, to go up a few picks and make sure they got their guy. So, um, it's it's funny because there's still those expectations but at the same day you're like well he's a second round pick and so it'll be uh interesting to see how it all plays out obviously they got big plans for him um leading a, a very uh run heavy offense so that was good to see them get that taken care of um some other news and notes from around the jets george fant uh kind of working in between we're not really sure i saw a report from pff that said it was likely that he would sign a contract extension before the season begins um they talked about what that deal would sort of look like um and, and it kind of was more of a charles leno type deal who also had you know one really big strong season heading into the following training camp wanted a little bit more security and got a three-year 35 million dollar deal that's, you know, what is being looked at in the same sense here for um, George Fant. So just interesting to see the numbers wise. Of course, he's, you know, a little bit older of a player. He's not at the end of his career, I'd say. But there is 
there's confidence in the fact that he had a really strong season last year, but there's also that question mark of like, this kind of came out of nowhere. It's great. Uh, how comfortable are we, you know, moving forward that that's going to be the level we get. So, you know, when you hear those numbers, Teddy, and you, you take a look at, you know, a, a position that is extremely important and given the uncertainty of, of their other tackle, um, what do you make of, of the deal um, and, and the potential that, you know, he is the long-term fix here for the next few years at left tackle? Yeah, I mean, I don't love this, um, to be honest. Um, I've kind of been one, not really a skeptic. Like, I, I don't think George mm -hmm. Fant's not going to be good or, or be able to emulate what he did last year. But but I just, I, I kind of hold back um, when it is just kind of one good year. You know, I don't want to just dive in head first and say, hey, he, he's going to continue this this play that he didn't really put on before last year. Um, I think the Makai Becton piece is like the big wild card in this, you know, because if the Jets were confident Makai Becton was going to be able to hold down, you know, one of the tackle positions, it would be less important for Fant um, to get signed. So I don't know. I just don't love it. I, I, I really... You know, he's had one year of production. I really think that it makes sense to um, give it one more year, see how see how he does, then maybe sign him to like a two-year deal, mm. um, which obviously he might not love that. But th that's just what I think makes more sense to really, you know, see him establish himself and say, I can do this multiple years in a row. Um, also, like this, this money, like if he got three years, 35 mil, you know, that's that's like top – eight i think it's like sixth in the league the guy the the pff clip says um mm. if four like four guards or excuse me four tackles, tackles in the league so it just seems pretty high for a guy like george fant but at the same time he really was great last year there's a possibility he does continue that and i'm just being a skeptic so you know we got money to spend it's not the end of the world but but i'd prefer to wait till next year for sure and there's every reason to be skeptic. Like we were saying right beforehand, it's not like he was this stud left tackle that just came in and continued what he was doing. This was a little bit of a resurgence for him this past year. And, you know, we've seen, you know, up to this point, I think it came out as well too, um, that Fant confirmed his agent and the Jets have talked. So they're getting a little bit further there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm not going to push back because I understand the concern. I think far and away, you know, outside of, of, and, and this is a good offensive line, but I would almost want to make sure I am keeping everybody on that line happy um, because the most important thing to this franchise right now is number two and how to make things easy for number two is to keep him upright and to be able to move the ball in the run game. And not to say he's going to go out there and, and pout on the football field if he doesn't get a deal before this season. But I think there's a lot of comfort in knowing I am valued by this franchise. And, and it's a different situation if it's a team that is, you know, a little bit tight on the cap. If he was maybe, you know, 34 instead of what, 30 or 31 right now, I believe 30, I think. Yeah. So it's, you know, he's, he's still got a few more years, even by the end of that, it's like, then you could probably see the decline and you know, how these contracts work. It's not going to be fully guaranteed. It'll probably be like those other deals with Corey Davis and Carl Lawson, where it's two years high money and the third, you can cut bait. And what I also like about it is it gives you a little bit of flexibility where, okay, Mackay Becton comes back. He's fantastic. He is the future franchise left tackle. Just move Fan over to the right side to finish out those years. Not that it's, you know, if he does take a step back, it's like, okay, well, at least we can put him as a starting tackle at the not less important side, but I guess the, the, the less, less important, important side. side. It is. It is. Okay you got to protect the blind yeah. side. So you move him over to the right side. And that way, at the very least, you've got somebody there 
And, uh, you know, if you go into the future and you, you find another tackle in free agency that's a little bit younger, the trade market or, or in, you know, upcoming drafts, it can kind of be that succession plan. So I, you know, the money is a lot. Um, I think it averages out to a little bit over a, 11 a year, 11.33 or point whatever it is. Yeah. But, um, Good math. It, it's, it's, thank you. <laughs> uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. As that nice actually is it. correct. It's literally 11.33. Like after you really? said that, I was like, damn. Good for me. Yeah, for me. I like that because because uh, I wasn't in the, the advanced math like you and, and the maze and everybody in high school. So I, Wait, was, I was always a year. I'm actually you. wrong, though. That would be 34. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's 11. more of like 6, a, 6, here 6. we go. Is this a math podcast now? That would be uh, sick. Oh, uh, we should be a math <laughs> podcast. Yo, Corlin, you're <laughs> training camp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Off the rails. Um, But no, I think that. Oh, uh, no, you go ahead. I definitely agree. I mean, you're making, you're making, you're making good points. And I think that like, it really doesn't break the bank, you know, if it is 12 million a year and you know, Joe Douglas is going to structure his contracts the way he does Mm -hmm. and have that out. So maybe it would only be committing really to this year and next year. Um, So, so, you know, I I hear what you're saying definitely. And, and we all know this is how the money works where the highest paid guys aren't always the best guys. They're just the guys who are getting paid the most recently. So, right. You made a good point. I think you might have swung me, but this will be something I'm interested to see which way what happens. What do you gun to your head? Deal gets done before training camp. I don't know. Like I, 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 I this is kind of something that people have been like asking about and like thinking about, but I haven't really seen anything. And like some guys I follow, like we're we're saying they haven't heard anything. But now with this new report that came out in the past couple of days, I mean, who knows what this PFF guy like knows what his connections are. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't, I don't really think it'll happen. I guess I, I, I think I'm on the side that I think Joe Douglas would be playing this safe, but at the same time to be able to, um, not guarantee cause things can happen, but essentially guarantee that you're going to have this guy along with Elijah Vera Tucker, along with, um, Makai Becton, you know, and that like your point about having the same guys rolling for Zach Wilson year yeah. to year, that's going to help them that's going to help him. Um, so yeah, I I'm, I'm going to say no, but I, uh, I definitely, you, you made good points. I'm going to say they get it done. I All also right, think well, just we'll because of happens. how I think Throw a dollar how, on it, like every time they talk about how, how important he is also to the locker room, I'm just like, keep, keep those guys happy. And if it's not going to break the bank, do it. So I think they're going to get a deal. Yeah. Um, moving things along. we got two more things to hit on with our housekeeping before we get into our all 21st century offense team. Uh, Jeremy Fowler hinting that the Jets could be in the market for one more splash. Um, You know, obviously taking a look at their secondary there is where he honed in on things. And you take a look at the secondary and you go, okay, strong safety is taken care of. An outside corner is pretty much taken care of. I wouldn't think that they're already looking to add in another guy to take DJ Reed's spot outside. Um, So to me, that looks like free safety. And I think everybody else is thinking, okay, well, that means free safety. Really, that just connects the dots to Jesse Bates, who, of course, has gotten to a little bit of a contract, not dispute, but they just aren't close to terms um, with Cincinnati over there uh, playing. I guess he's going on the franchise, correct, because of this, because they weren't able to get something done. Um, I think so. I'm, I'm not super tapped into it, but. And 
so now that's, you know, that's what everybody is kind of connecting it to. There's a free safety that's available. That's the one position that the Jets could potentially be taking a look at to, um, to enhance, you know, as they slated to have LaMarcus Joyner there probably to start off the season. That would be quite the upgrade to bring in Jesse Bates. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Because it, you go first. I've got a couple of thoughts. That- yeah, I'm, I'm in, I mean, the reason I've kind of put this in there, this was kind of like the, the story of the day, you know, that um, Jeremy Fowler, he's writing a, a power rankings article for, you know, whatever NFL.com or wherever. And, and kind of just like at, in a one-off, like just writes the jets could be, you know, still in play to make one more splash move before the season begins um, in their secondary. That's kind of what he said. And then everything else from there, uh, as far as my understanding, is just kind of conjecture. It's just kind of um, projecting things. Uh, the thing with Jesse Bates, like he, he's kind of what this conversation is about, because when he when Jeremy Fowler writes something like this, you kind of are like, OK, well, what other move feels imminent um, that would kind of move the needle for the Jets at free safety? Um, my problem with Jesse Bates is just like, what's it going to take to get a deal done? And do, do you see Joe Douglas, you know, moving important capital just to, to get like a, a free safety, you know, when he's already been shown to not want to, not want to pay Marcus May. And, um, you know, obviously with the Jamal Adams, he got, he got a, a haul for that. So I don't know. I just don't really see it as that likely. Um, I think that Jesse Bates is going to require a bigger deal than Joe Douglas is going to want to give and i think that um another team that's maybe closer will be willing to give more if they feel like that it will really like solidify their defense as opposed to the jets i mean it's still kind of like a risk you know um Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't really see it happening but hey jeremy fowler knows more than me so who knows we're on the same page I, i i just i don't after all the additions that they've made to their secondary and all the resources they've invested in there it it's like, yes, LaMarcus Joyner is the weak point of the secondary, but it's a good enough upgrade of a secondary where I don't think you have to really super overreact and just put all of this money in the back end and all of these high draft picks in the back end just to make up for it. So I, 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 I agree. I think the cost would be too high. They weren't willing to pay guys before at that position. Obviously, they spent a little bit on Jordan Whitehead, but I think as much of a talented player as he's also just a huge, great character for, for the back end of that defense and bringing some physicality to the team. Um, and not yeah, and, physicality. And, I mean, last year we, we bring in uh, like Elijah Riley and Will Parks who are kind of like bounce around guys who, who we signed when we had a lot of injuries and COVID at the end of the year and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, those guys I thought did okay in the limited time they saw last year. Um, so if it's not Joiner, you know, maybe one of those guys can plug in. I just mm-hmm. think there's still, it's not like the jets, like, I mean, obviously it doesn't look great, but it's, it's not like the jets look, look like this is like a dire need where they really need to overspend for it. So do I think Jesse Bates is a really good player who I, I would have liked them to have? Yes, for sure. Do I see it getting done? No, because he is that good of a player that I think he's going to demand high value. And I just think when you're looking at the way you need to spend money wisely around the entire roster. And there are far more positions that I'd rather address than a free safety at the moment. And, and obviously that point of the season is done. um, But I would much rather see a move at linebacker or add a little bit depth on the inside. And, you know, maybe I'm still on Quan Alexander watch. I know. Yeah. We're still, we're in week, what fucking eight of that now. We're just Uh, patiently waiting for him to show up week, like three of preseason. We'll be there. Maybe. 
exactly. I agree. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to see we we feel the same way about that. I he, great player, just I don't I don't see it getting done. Yeah. Um, another thing we got on here, actually, there's there was an extra thing that I skipped over by accident because I didn't see it. Uh, Jeremy Rucker on the NFI list, um, starting off rookie camp, a little bit of a foot injury. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this because, yeah. um, like, number one, I think it's weird that it's the non-football injury list because, like, it's a foot injury he's been dealing injury. with. Like, is it not from football? Like, is it one of those you know ones I mean? where, like, you're walking out of the shower and you slipped and then all right. of a sudden it's technically not I, well, football? Well, what I think but it's it still is, a football is injury. I think if it happens in the offseason, like, the NFL isn't responsible for oh, it or something. You know, there's yeah. – right. Uh, but I don't know. I just – I also don't know exactly how the NFI list works, but – I just thought that was funny. And, and the reason I wanted to mention it is because basically um, like, it's just sick that it's like, Oh no, our third, our third round or, or was he third round or fourth round, third round tight end that we picked in the draft, you know, in years past, it would be like, what are we going to do? Like, we need this guy to have a huge role. Like we, we, we picked him to, to be in this, like, to be a part of this offense. And now it's just like, well, we have CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. So while this is not what you want to see and you want to see your rookies out there, at least we got two guys ahead of him who we're pretty confident are going to be okay. So Uzama is kind of dealing with an injury too, but hopefully he can be out there for the beginning of camp. I will say this is, we're now getting to the part of the season where we're going to start learning about injuries and hopefully everybody stays healthy. And I'm stressed about it. We have spoken (laughs) about for months because like it it could, it just every, there are teams where it's just like their season gets ruined before it even starts. You know, I think of the last two years, the Baltimore Ravens, like I've always just, I've loved their team. And then it's by week one, it's like they, they don't even have like five of their top 15 players. So um, yeah, I mean, everybody... and we we've dealt with that for sure. These past few years, we've been very injured and, and you know, lost our best player in Carl Austin last year. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we have some better luck this Fingers year. Fingers crossed for sure. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted to just hit on this, I, I didn't see the other positions, but it's always fun because people love getting mad about Madden rankings. And, and I do, too. I love getting upset about that. Really? Oh, I, I haven't bought the game in three years. But really? every time I, I play Madden it, all I just, the time. I just get mad. I haven't bought it since 2020. 2019. Yeah. One of those. My thing with Madden is number one, if you're a Jets fan, you just have to get used to like all the players you like are gonna be in the 70s, you know, like because mm-hmm. we're just not there yet. Um, and number two, it's like when you play Madden once you start rolling with like franchise mode, it takes like five games for your guys to like become like an 89, you know? So I think I'm, I'm playing with, uh, with updated rosters and Brees Hall is like a 99 in my franchise, you know, after like a year. That's awesome. So yeah, we're chilling, but yeah, no Madden, Madden. I mean, do any of these jump out at you? Um, I know like Corey Davis, 79, four point dip from last year. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Moore only is 79, you know, which I don't think is insane, but you know, he probably should hopefully by next year, he's out of like an 85, 88. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like everything is, is pretty accurate for the most part. Basically everything is like high seventies and, and below. Uh, yeah. There's nothing for people crazy listening. here. Bruce Hall is a 76, pretty solid. I, I do yeah. like I every every player loves getting mad about their rankings, but Braxton Barrios was very upset about a 75. Yeah, it was is, a funny post. It was a funny well, post. Cause it's and it's funny because like 
yes, he's a very talented athlete. Um, but it's also like, if you even just take a look at your own depth chart, it's like you right. are the wide receiver four slash five. So it's, it's, it's like, well, I think what he was get? really mad about was the, was the 53 strength, you know, which is yeah, funny. Cause yeah. it's like, who's making that up at Madden? Who's like, all right, this guy. Yeah. Let's go with 53. You know, like it, it is funny. Maybe, uh, maybe if he bitches enough, he can get the, uh, Madden adjusters to, um yeah. you know the come Madden to come to jets funny. camp they take it's their job so, so seriously it's it's it, they also take like it. you can't go and watch every single player you know what i mean like it's such a pointless <laughs> job to have it's, it really is I know, it's, dude. it's a video we should game. get that job i know ditch the podcast for it yeah um yeah other than that no i think everything else uh jeff smith high speed on i love how you wrote like jeff a, smith on this this list it was it was on there. They gave him a Jeff 96 speed, a 68 fastest, overall. Fastest Damn. guy on the team. Fastest guy. On the team. I'm a big Jeff Smith guy. I I uh I rewatched the Jets Jaguars game from this last season. Mm. Jeff Smith had a big drop. Oh Stunk. no. Yeah. Now, uh, what do you think about Denzel Mims going from a 72 to a 71 this year? After all the hype that we've been building up this offseason, <sighs> goes down. I know. I can't believe it. Um, I think this is so. Denzel this is the dumb, This might be the dumbest thing we've spoken. Has about. a lot to prove and is going to be electric. Yeah, let's move on because we have a lot to talk about with this are, uh, 21st century all offense team. But exactly, we are going to talk, talk about, about Denzel these Mims a little bit. All day. We're going to talk about Denzel Mims a little bit later with this uh, <laughs> no, all century not. team. <laughs> I was going to put him on there. I was going to put him as our top two. We love Denzel Mims. I just love giving, I love giving Jets fans shit for players that they hype up for a little bit and then they underperform and they're like, there's still hope and there's still hope. And even this, we hold on forever. You guys have been holding like the Denzel Mims stuff this off season. Watch him just become the best receiver on the team. It it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. When has it ever happened where a guy has just been a bum for three years and then you're four like oh look he's he's megatron it just doesn't happen we're due is what you're trying to say yeah we're due (laughs) he's gonna turn the tide all right the 21st century all offense team we just wanted something to talk about for this uh and we're gonna kind of go down through an offensive uh roster we got one quarterback one running back two wide receivers a tight end uh two tackles two guards and a center um, our lists are going to be very similar. And I think that is what we spoke about a little bit earlier. Hard to really have a, a diverse I'm sure, list. I'm sure if any of you listening out there sat down and made a list, you'd you'd come up with this, some similar names. But, Just you know, that. we Almost got some good... All. A few Almost good discussions in there. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a few differences that we have and other guys that we just wanted to give a shout out to. Um, there's another part to this uh, where, you know, we've spoken about this on the pod before. As much as we want to say that we know enough about the Jets to speak about them, we were late on, on even yeah. the 21st century to the Jets. I'm a huge Jets fan. I became a Jets fan in 2009 when they came to Cortland, New York um and start doing training camp there you know i i apologize that from my zero to you know what was it my zero to 11 age of my life i yeah. uh <laughs> sorry i uh wasn't a too jets busy fan a but kid. yeah i was just a child um but you know i i, I kind of remember some of those guys and like obviously a lot of them are are obvious picks um but yeah we may not have the experience with some of these guys your first pick a quarterback um who i think a lot of people would pick a quarterback because a guy we weren't really there in the, in his era but 
you know, he deserves it all, all the same. Yep. Yeah. So let's just roll right into it. Um, my quarterback and, and even just to, I, I just got to echo real quick. Like Teddy mentions 2009 is where things all really started for him and whatnot. I watched the jets when they went to training camp, I went to a bunch of practices. I know a lot of these players that I have on this list and uh, I started covering the team four months ago. So there's a, a little bit of a gap in there, but I was, I've always been an NFL fan. So it's not like I just never knew what was going on with the jets. And I got a lot of people in my life who are jets fans, but that being said, mostly rolling into, well, roll into my quarterback. I'm going Chad Pennington. Um, I feel like this to me is the easy answer and um, not to tip a, a hand, but I, I know Teddy and I don't necessarily agree on this first one. Um, and, and he's in a, a little bit in his feels here, but uh, just a, a little bit more longevity, I would say, for Pennington. Got a few, uh, what was it, six or seven? I have it right here. Uh, 61 starts, 32 and 29 as a quarterback, 65% completion percentage, uh, just under 14,000 yards with the Jets, 82 touchdowns, 55 interceptions. I feel like his most memorable season, that 2002 year where they started off uh, one and four and then came back nine and seven and went into the playoffs. It is, it's tough to say any other name. Um, and one part of this that I guess we should have mentioned at the top two, we are just including the 2000, the years from 2000 to 2021. And I think the big thing because of that, it, to mention, you know, Vinny Testaverde, the numbers throughout his career. What do you have like two years in, two in the two thousands? I believe in the two thousands. Yeah. And so it's just at that point, it's just that there's not enough there. And we went more of a little bit of longevity for some of these guys. So Pennington was my pick at quarterback. Um, I think when you take a look at just the, the list of names, it's depressing as fuck. Um, and this is the one that I think stands out the most. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, there's really no other answer you could give other than, you know, the only three names that kind of pop up are Vinny Testaverde and then the guy who I'm going to select. Um, but, I mean, it, it's me. like, you know, you had that Brett Favre year. You had uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick year, you know, like maybe those were some of the better seasons. Great season. Um, but mm. just not not the 21st century all-offense New York Jets team. Um, so while I do agree that Chad Pennington is the probably best pick, I'm going to throw a little credit to my boy, Mark Sanchez. Um, anyone who knows me knows he's my favorite NFL player ever. Um, number two is Jerry Rice. Number one, Mark Sanchez. Um, but he, you, I, I feel like you just got to give credit to, uh, you know, if you look at what years have the Jets been the most successful, what year have we gone the deepest? Those were those Sanchez, those first two Sanchez years. Obviously, it wasn't because of his play necessarily, but you know, he was there, he was leading the squad. Um, I just want to take a quick little walk down memory lane. These are kind of, I mean, this is like, this is it. This was the beginning of my Jets fandom was, was the Mark Sanchez years. Um, he had four games or four years with the Jets before that 2013 season where he never played because of the shoulder injury started all but two games uh, in that four game span, you know, only 33 and 29 overall, um, 86 touchdowns to 89 interceptions. That's passing touchdowns. Um, you know, so it's not like he was ever putting up really prolific numbers. No. Um, but, you know, the way he was able to step up in the playoffs uh, and, and get those wins, um, a lot of, of, of come from behind victories. 
um, spread out throughout his career. It, it, 2010 was that just like magical year, you know, Jets went 11 and five. Um, you know, he didn't really have that great of a year, only 17 touchdowns, 13 INTs, only 3,200 yards, you know, but, but he had five fourth, fourth, fourth quarter comebacks and four of those came in a five uh, week span or six week span, maybe. So four of them came in a five week span, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. But basically, like, I remember that so vividly. Like I remember watching Jets games every week and there was that four week span where every week it was like, it was like the jets are down. And then what do you know? Like Mark Sanchez is leading a game winning drive and just like making all the throws, knowing what he has to do. Freaking uh, what's that play the, the naked bootleg to run it in. Like I, I remember those, those, those games. So while Pennington is like the clear pick and the longevity is there and a little slightly better numbers, you know, I think Sanchez had like 56% completion percentage over his uh, career with the jets. But, but I just want to give the nod to my favorite, player and the guy who led us to our uh to our most successful years in terms of what it's all actually about which is getting to the super bowl yeah you know quarterback wins right no i i i love mark sanchez the person i think he is a a fun guy it's nice seeing him around the organization he's done stuff as like an analyst he's hopped on you know with fox sports before it's great personality right exactly and and a cool dude um but i think it was i think to me when when you know um Woody Johnson came on their podcast and announced everybody that was going to be in the uh, ring of honor. And Mark was kind of just there. It was like, yeah, that pretty, like, what are you supposed to do? If he was like a little, if he was like better throughout that stretch, like maybe, but then he probably wouldn't have, you know, been moved on. But yeah, I mean, he really, it's not like he was this great player, but he, he got it done when he needed to with the jets, um, at least in those first two years. Yeah, look, got to give love to Mark. He he's he and he's especially for the two of us, I would say it, where with Chad before my time, Mark was right. my time Your where time. I was going yep. to practices, I was watching the games like yep. I'll I'll never yeah, there I'll, I'll never hate on Mark Sanchez. Um but I you know, just from a pure numbers and and success, I guess. Like the records are relatively the same, but I would argue Mark had a little bit more help in some of those years. Um, so quarterback taking care of running back pretty easy. You guys know who we're going to pick. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to pick. Uh, ooh, I was trying to think of a really shitty running back you guys have had recently. Oh, uh, 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 Le'Veon Bell. That's who it is. We're going to pick Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> Damn, clip that. Running back. <laughs> no, we're going Curtis Martin. He's the greatest the running goat. back, not even of the 21st century, of the entire Jets franchise history, um, going back to those late, late days. Uh, Curtis Martin. From 1998 to 2005 with the Jets, racked up 10,302 yards. That is most in franchise history by uh, just about 2,000. Yeah. Um, And he's got his 58 touchdowns, also lead the franchise. Um, Taking a look at specific seasons, was over 1,000 yards every year except his last one, including two 1,500-yard seasons in the 2000s. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Teddy, you've got here only uh, the only one over 10,000 yards in his career. Um, I was trying to pull up and now obviously it's my, my screen is done. While I wait for that to load, Teddy, what would you like to add in about? Yeah, Martin? no, I mean, we, we don't have to spend too much time on this when you, when you think about the jets running backs over the last, um, you know, 21 years, there are a few good seasons, you know, there's a few guys who, who were good, obviously, like LaDainian Tomlinson, who came from another team and, and performed well. 
Chris Ivory had a few good uh, seasons on the team. You know, you think about Thomas Jones and his stretch, which was kind of right in that, uh, you know, those 2007, 2010 years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Curtis Martin. He played six of his 10 years in, in the uh, 2000. So for the purpose of this, um, those are what the years we're looking at. And he was still great, you know, Fantastic. running over, over a thousand yards every year, basically, except for his last um, and what I like when you think about the Jets and who, who, who would like your average NFL fan from anywhere in the country know when you think of like, oh, who are the best Jets players of all time? You know, and the the answer to that question, there's three guys in my opinion that you can name. It's Joe Namath, it's Darrell Revis, and it's Curtis Martin. I mean, those yeah. are really the only guys you can say in terms of like league-wide superstars like skill position guys who who were actually studs and like the best of their position at some point so so yeah I mean this this is this was the easiest one I think you know we kind of want to give honorable mention to our boy Sean Green we do we gotta um, give it the thing with Sean Green he he had that like amazing postseason in 2009 his rookie year and then I think he had an okay year in 2010 but just he never really did what I was, he never became what I hoped he was going to become after that playoff run. Um, yeah. And then the only other guy I really think about giving credit to is Chris Ivory, who, you know, I think had either over a thousand or pretty close to it. Uh, maybe not over a thousand, but oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so there you go. I mean, it's Curtis Martin. We, all you guys who are listening know that that is the correct answer in this situation. Um, yep. So, yeah, let's talk about yeah. receivers. Let's talk about receivers and these ones. I we I I don't know if uh, I'm trying to read yours. I believe we have the same two here as well too. So this is pretty easy to go with as well. Yes, too. we do. We, we do. have we wanted to choose two because obviously you got a lot of, of uh, wide receivers out in the field at a time, and um, those two are going to be Lavernius Coles and Jericho Cotri. And I feel like those two are kind of like with Martin, not to the same extent where Martin is that prolific, well-known all-timer. Uh, but these are the two that stand out the most just in terms of longevity and consistency over their careers as well, too. There have been some fantastic single season receivers. You know, you take a look at the leaderboards and you're like, Robbie Anderson is that high up in receiving yards for the franchise. Yeah. And it's just like and only some played, guys, what, three or four years exactly. on the so team. And that's the thing is like it's such a funny list um, with all things considered with how the Jets have been. But these two stand out more than the others. Um who do you it was there one that you you know because like yeah I mean so when I when I initially you know Lavernus Coles was obviously he he was a little bit before our time I mean they basically played in the same time era um the thing with Coles was he came back to the Jets after a few years away and then I'm pretty sure he came back again in like 2014 or like later but then got cut in camp I'm pretty sure that happened it may have been a fever dream. I'll pull that up. Um, but yeah, so when we were thinking about this list, first name that came to my head was Jericho Kachery. Um, just because even if he wasn't necessarily the number one for most of his career, you know, usually Coles was there and then he had a few years and then uh, Braylon Edwards got signed and then San Antonio Holmes came in and he kind of just lost his role. But he was just that guy who who was so consistent for this team and he, he played a lot better than what, if you just look at his career numbers, what he indicate, what that indicates, you know, and he, um, he, he always like made the plays when they needed to be made. And he always, he just had sure hands. Like he was, he was the definition of reliable in my opinion. Um, and then Coles is a guy, you know, played with the jets for seven years. 
um, had three years over a thousand yards. You know, Katri only had one, so he's definitely like the better player in terms of just pure numbers. Um, so when you think about which receivers you're going to put on this team, I feel like those are the two best answers you could have. A um, mm-hmm. few other guys to think about: Wayne Corbett, obviously yep. spent some of his career in the uh, in the 2000s, and you know he's a guy. If you ask any Jets fans, kind of from that era, you know, a little bit older than us, Wayne Corbett's like their guy. Um, which, you know, well-deserved. I just don't think his numbers really – his better seasons were in the late 90s, Before, you know, man. than, than yeah. pre-2000s or post-2000s. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of just what I think of those guys. The the guys I wish I could have picked, like my favorite receiver in the past 21 years, Braylon Edwards. I, yeah. I loved him on the Jets. It was awesome how he came over from the Browns and kind of had that uh, stone hands um, – Stonehands kind of reputation and you know he had a few drops but most of the time he was just making plays in at least his first couple of years with the Jets the third year was kind of lost um Santonio Holmes obviously you know kind of a dickhead but what was was great and was a captain before he kind of uh freaked out at the end of his Jets career um yeah I mean those were the guys I kind of thought of what were your what were your thinking behind all this the, yeah, the only other one that, uh, you know, Wayne Trebet, like you said, it's it, it just it faded out a little bit and it wasn't enough years in there where, like I said, longevity and consistency from from Coles and Kadri sit out there. My I don't know, because there were a few I went so in and out with the Jets during training camp. And, and most of that is just because they they're not my favorite team. They're not the team that I care about and watch and root for. Um, but the 2015 season was so much fun. And, and I was a big Eric Decker fan because I believe I had him on my fantasy team that season. So that's another guy where it's just like single season or even yeah. just a little bit of stretch stretch that he had there. Really enjoyed him with Brandon Marshall. Um, but you're right. Bla- Braylon Edwards was great. San Antonio Holmes. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to spend some more time on our boy, Brandon Marshall. I mean, he, he was like, uh, I mean, that was a great year he had in uh, 2015 with, with, uh, of course. with Fitzy. You know, they were like best buddies. That's why. It always broke my heart that like they left and and uh, Fitz he doesn't really talk up his time with the Jets because him and Marshall seem to be seem to be best buds over that year or two. I mean, he was he was one of the top uh, receivers that season in terms of touchdown catches. He had 14 that year, which led the league 1500 yards. I mean, you take I mean, the targets. 1,500 yards. Like, I would kill to have a receiver with 1,500 yards on the Jets. He was targeted 173 times that year. You do not see that often. They I wish I played fantasy then and, like, the was really into it because <laughs> Brandon Marshall would have been a great guy to have. Yep, filthy. Um, so, yep, him, Decker that year was super important. But, yeah, you go into those stretches of when the receivers were around Cortland, you know, Braylon, Santonio. I'm trying to think if there was another guy that – really stood out had plaxico for a few years games but i mean if you if you're looking at like the numbers and like what these guys produced um you know it's kachri it's Coles, and then everyone else just didn't really have the time here uh to to cement themselves on this list yep and uh kind of as we move on to the next position tight end there's really there's there's just one name and um even teddy put some honorable mentions below and it's just a hilarious list uh, five years out of Dustin Keller was really all it took to become the um, the number one tight end for the Jets of this century. And you take a look at the numbers, uh, 48 starts, 
240 catches, just under 3,000 receiving yards in his time, average about 12 yards a catch, which is nice. Touchdowns were few and far between, totaled up 17 by the time he was all done there. Um, and, and, I mean, it's even funny. You take a look, you know, rookie season started six games. His final year with the, in the NFL, five games, um, and only appeared in eight, a little banged up. Yeah. Two, yeah. I, I mean, we, we agree. We both picked Dustin Keller. Um, but it is kind of one of those things where like Dustin Keller kind of came out of the gate strong. We thought we got our High guy. Expectations. A really good year, 2010 High expectations. Um, and then he just kind of never materialized into it. Like, like we put him on this list and don't get me wrong. It's like, he was the best, but at the same time, Dustin Keller at the end of the day was, you know, kind of disappointing because he, he didn't ever become what we hoped or sustain what we hoped. And there was hope for him to become a well-rounded tight end. And really all he became was a little bit of a receiving threat at that point. And yep. so when you're not able to mold in and tight ends, one of those positions where it does take time. And I think another problem, and, and you look at how teams draft nowadays and, and how their entire plan and investing in certain positions go, he came into the league as a rookie at 24. And that's usually, you know, now you're starting to see tight ends come in. Cal Pitts was what 21 this past year. He's one of the youngest players ever drafted. And he came in and, and it's like, okay, well, tight ends a lot younger. You give them that time. And by the time they're 24, that's when they pop onto the scene. And yet, you know, you get Keller in here back in 2008 already at 24. And it's like, well, that's probably what he is at that point then. Um, so it's, it's so fun to take a look and see how NFL has even changed over the last 15 years with that. But yeah, just kind of didn't live up to his best, to his highest expectations. You know, you take a look at his biggest season in 2011, 815 yards, five touchdowns, both uh, were career highs, um, 65 receptions on 115 targets. The catch percentage was never the prettiest. Um, I think his entire career was a 58%. Um, but yeah, whereas some of these other positions were like really good players. This one is just the, the best that's there. So, yeah, I kind of put together this other this list of all kind of other guys that kind of came across my mind when we were doing this, but obviously like <laughs> aren't anywhere close to making this list. But when you think about the Jets tight ends over the past uh, 21 years and, you know, like we said at the beginning, the the early 2000s, we don't know as well, but I just names that came to my head, Jeff Cumberland, Chris Herndon, you know, Jason Morrow. I remember a lot of fans were uh, were hyped up about and then uh our boy just a few years ago, Ryan Griffin, who, who Ryan Griffin signed a deal like mid-year after catching three touchdowns in two weeks. And, and everyone was like, oh, the Jets, they're going to have the best duo ever with him and Herndon. And then, you know, that didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cumberland didn't work out. Jason Morrow didn't work out. Um, Dustin Keller didn't work out. So, yeah, I, I this brings me back to how excited I am about our tight end room. I think I've probably been able to say that on 70% of our podcasts probably. at least. Um, but it is something I'm really excited about. And realistically, you know, these guys are probably the best tight ends that we've had at I, least since 2010, at least yeah. since Dustin Keller. So definitely. And one thing to just because I saw Chris Herndon, I want to bring this up. I was doing a little bit of research and, and Gangrene Nation, SB Nation's page for the Jets. I was, I, I don't know who did it, but they did a wine cellar team. And it was just like, you know, it was like the best players, best season. So it was like 2002, Chad Pennington, all that stuff. And tight end, it was, it was Chris Hernan's rookie season. And that was, that was it. And it's just Good like, wow, him. Good for him. But that's yeah. where we're at, obviously. Teddy, 
Um, as we move along to the offensive line, I think that this is more less of a numbers thing, but more of a longevity and being able to. Yep. It's been such a bad offensive line and there have been so many terrible seasons um, that it's it's not hard to stand out as a really strong player. Um, so as we move into tackle. Yeah, re- real yeah, quick ahead. before before we even say anyone, I uh, going through this, you know, I was just kind of scrolling through um, the years, taking a look at like who who uh, who the starters were, you know, getting a feel for when everyone was there. And it was just like, once you got to like, I don't even know, like 2015, like once Mangold left, it was just like, why am I even looking? Like, there's nobody yeah. here, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, who, who do you got? Let's start uh, offensive tackle. The yeah, most offensive tackle. Position on the field. We have one that we both agreed on, and that's DeBrickishaw Ferguson, you know, three-time the pro boy. bowler with the Jets, uh, spent his entire career there from 2006 to 2015. And when we say consistency and longevity, 160 starts out of 160 games throughout his career, uh, which is just fantastic. That's yep. that's just what you want as a left tackle. You want to take a look at that game log and you want to see every fucking game you were out there. Um, and, and he was a good one. Obviously, Pro Bowls 2009, 2010, 2011. So he had a really strong stretch those three years. But um, that was the that was the consensus one that we both were like, yep, this is easily one of the best tackles of, the, of uh, for the Jets in this in this uh, 21st century. My second guy where I was a little bit different was Jason Fabini. Uh, you just take a look over what he provided for the Jets as well, too. And he had a few seasons uh, His first two years with the Jets were before 2000. But from 2000 until 2005 started all 16 games of each season as well, too. War number nine, uh, number 69. So that's why he got a little bit of an extra Damn, shout out from shout me here. Out. He got the shout cut out. there as a, as a, a podcast shout out, but starting left tackle there from 2000 to 2005 or sorry, apologies. 2005, he switched over to right tackle before leaving um, to go to Dallas in 2006, but just another one where it was like, you know, your tackle is good if he is consistently out there and he's playing at the same position. So those were my two guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on DeBrickershaw. I, I got to put my hand up. I'm not exactly sure anything about Jason Fabini. Um, so sorry to all you Jets that, purists yeah, out there. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> we, we can both acknowledge that. I, I, yeah. I don't want to say that I was studying. You're in, the, in I thought, you were, I I thought you were the Fabini guy. I thought you were I'm, always like looking I'm him up. Actually, and 45 years. The jersey old. on the wall. Anyone watching uh, on YouTube, you can see Blake's Fabini jersey hanging yeah, in the back. Yeah, I got it hanging up. Um, yeah, I mean this this was a funny one with the guard because the Brickishaw was like before it went the second we said we were gonna do this, you knew he was gonna be on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but not a ton of other like great guards that lasted. I mean, there's guys who like kind of came in, but but not a lot of guys who really did great with the Jets. Guy I'm going with Damian Woody. Um was only there from th- for three years, but it was kind of right in that um Cortland era, as I like to call it, right in yeah, the successful like Sanchez years. Cortland era player. Um, yeah, and, and and you know he was great. I remember watching him on Hard Knocks, messing around. I I, I think he was going by Damian Woody 2.0, or maybe I'm getting him confused. But you know there was just a lot of fun, a lot of personality on that team. Um, he was one of those guys, and he's just a great player um, who was great while he was here. So you know, DeBrickishaw and Damian Woody, like when I think of the Jets and like how I grew up and, and what I was watching, like those two are, are so important and stick out to me. So, yeah. I'm a little mad at myself because after hearing you say that, I, I wish that we had made this segment, the all Cortland team, Damn, like the that all Cortland section. Team. Like the, that would have been the 2009 to 20, 
2015 era. We'll save that. We'll save that for the next time we've got nothing to talk about. We'll go through yeah, the entire 2014 all maybe. That would be perfect. But yeah, it's okay, funny like I, how niche that is because like we just we grew up with with training camp right around us, you know, and when we're not in our backyard, Jersey, it, we're not we're not in Jets those, country, you know. But but Cortland's a small those, town that have never been to Cortland. Exactly. That's the thing. It's not even the fact that it was like in our town It's our town has not a lot. Okay. And we were super like both of us, we live right down the street from each other. Yeah, the stadium was close. literally five minutes away. You would bike there every day, twice a day in those first few seasons. Um, so yeah. yeah and that was uh, sick. it was a fun time, but yeah, I look, it, those are the, those are the three names. I, I went with Fabini just because of his longevity with the team um but woody was was fantastic for those three seasons so it's like it's you can't argue that um guard i feel like we went this we did we go two for two on these or did we oh yeah i see what we got here yeah so we we did we did one you start i'm gonna go first the consensus one here is brandon moore um undrafted for the jets showed up in 2003 but then spent from 2004 to 2012, same situation. Every game he was out there, he was a starter. Um, 2004, 13 games, technically didn't play the full 16, but out of 142 um, starts from or games from 2004 on, he started every single one, was just a plug-and-play guy at right guard, didn't have to worry about that position for an entire decade. And that is extremely important. And as we've seen with them, try and reshuffle the guards around at this point to where you can hopefully get some of that. Um, it just, it shows you how important that is when you see how bad offensive lines can be and how bad they got kind of right after this tenure, you know, for a lot of these guys, as soon as it hit to those Definitely. early Definitely. 2010 years is when it just fell flat on its face. Yeah, I agree. I had Brandon Moore as well. And I mean, you said it exactly with the brick shots. Like that's what you want out of your lineman is you want to get a, get an offensive lineman and then have him be a, your starter for like 10 years, you know, and, and that's what the jets were able to kind of put together in the two thousands. And that's kind of why a lot of those teams, um, I mean, it wasn't a great decade, but the jets weren't this like terrible team every year, you know, had a few playoff playoff appearances um were able to run the ball well had some winning seasons so i mean this offensive line was a huge part of that along with their, their defenses they were able to put together um but yeah that's what you look for yep and then just like we were mentioning with the other guys in their pro bowl seasons uh more was a, a pro bowler in 2011 as a 31 year old right before the end of his career so gotta give him a shout out there we went a little bit different on the second one i've got a hall of famer i just want to put that out there i've got a nine-time pro bowler a six-time all pro he didn't spend his entire time with the jets though that's the only problem two seasons with new york 2008 and 2009 uh i went with i should say his name probably alan fanica um from Previously with Pittsburgh, came over in 2008, spent two seasons uh, at left guard, 16 starts, 16 starts, Pro Bowler both of those years. Um, yeah. To me, he's the guy that I didn't do the longevity with, but that's just because I struggled to find a second guard. He was a guy that came in in those years where he said it was a really successful running football team or at least a good one, um, and, and he's a very talented yeah. player. So. Yeah, I mean, he was there kind of again, you know, right in that sweet spot. One of those years where they where they made the playoffs and made the uh, AFC championship game. He's like the best, you know, like Brandon Moore is a great player. But if you just look at like who is the best guard who's played guard for the Jets in the past 21 years, regardless of career, or how long he was there. Um, I think the answer to that question is Alan Fenneca. 
Um, just a great player, really gritty, like mean dude. I mean, maybe yeah. not mean, but that's how he comes off at least. Um, but yeah, I, I went a little different direction because what do you got? What do you got? No, I'm, I'm laughing at where you're about to go. What I'm about it's to just, say? It's listen, funny. Listen, here's it's the deal. Funny. I went a little different direction. And the reason I'm picking Elijah Vera Tucker for my, for my all century team. Um, and listen, I know you're not supposed to do that. I know. He's only in his second season, but guess what? Elijah Vera Tucker essentially played at a pro bowl level last year. Maybe not, but right there. And he was taken as a guy. Pro bowl, who, a pro bowl adjacent. Pro bowl Teddy. adjacent. Yeah, for sure. And he was taken as a guy who, you know, everyone said, this is going to be the guy who's going to come in and you're going to know he's going to have a long career and be successful. And, you know, he's one for one on, on kind of giving me what I hope for. Obviously, I've already said it on this podcast. I think he's going to be a pro bowler this year. I think that, you know, it's just a vote of confidence. Obviously, maybe he doesn't necessarily deserve to be on this list, but I think there's a solid chance that he's the best guard that, that we're ever going to have in this in this century um, after I just said that about Alan Fenneca. So let's go, AVT. Hey, I love it because I also think he's a fantastic player. And it's yes, it's a little bit of a projection. It also makes me think of like for some of the guys currently on the team and, and it's all glass half full at this point, but it's like how many of these guys could end up on there? Tight ends? How, what would it take? Like how long would Uzoma have to be there to really become the best tight end of this century for the not Jets? There's a lot of guys on this put list. together a few good if, years. If Wilson becomes a, a strong quarterback, it's not going to take a lot to pass Pennington in those few seasons. So um, that's interesting, but no, I, I like it. I like to laugh. I just laugh because obviously he's only had one season, but he's never not been pro bowl adjacent in his career. So there you go. That. And then uh, last but not least, Teddy, you know, for those of you who didn't follow peewee football, wait, uh, wait, 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 you said last but not least, I was just thinking, Oh wait, never mind. I apologize. I was thinking saving the best for last. And that is truly what we're doing oh, here. Well, I was, I was teeing you up. I was going to let you but take I, I the was, floor with this guy. All right. I apologize. I, I kind of jumped the gun. You're there. okay. You're okay. We're both going to the same place. It's the same guy. Uh, you know, if, if you, if you were in Cortland, New York, uh, when Teddy and I were in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, Teddy was one of the best centers in our peewee football league Dang, and, and that's an idol true. of his and an idol of his. Uh, it was the all-time great Nick Mangold. So go ahead and take it away. Talk about your love for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did play center. I always wanted to play receiver, but I had to play center for a few years there. Um, but yeah, Nick Mangold, I mean, again, he was one of these guys where when we said, hey, let's make an all-century team, you knew Nick Mangold was going to be on the list. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, literally, it's like, what can you even say about the guy? Like, like it's so obvious. He had an 11-year career, started every season of his career, um, basically never got hurt. You know, he was out there for all 16 games in seven of his 11 years. I think uh, the other four years, I think, I mean, he got injured in his last year, but I, the other three never played less than like 14 or 13 games. I mean, that's that's freaking reliability. And that's, you imagine him and Debrickashaw just, you remember them being out there just every game, you know, week in, week out. Those two guys are there. You don't even have to worry about it. Um, I kind of get mad. I Like, I think that Nick Mangold's kind of one of these guys who, 
who is on the edge of like being a hall of famer. I mean, I really think he should be a hall of famer. I think we just got to kind of push that and, and get the media going. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's great. I think when you look, all right, we're making an all 21st century team. If you just said like, who are the best jets, who are the best players that have played on the jets in the two thousands? I think your two answers, you know, obviously there's Curtis Martin, um, but then you have Revis and then you have Nick Mangold, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and in terms of the jets that we've seen personally, you know, since that 2009 year, other than Revis, Nick Mangold's the best player we've seen on the jets. So obviously he deserves to be on this list. I'm happy we're kind of wrapping it up with him because he's such a great player, um, being inducted into the, the jets ring of honor this year. Um, along with the Brickishaw and Revis. So, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, you said it all. There's not much more to add into that. It is funny. Some of these guys' careers ended so much earlier than you would think. Just in, And not that every guy's got to last into his mid-30s, but, you know, you take a look, and Mangold was wrapped up by the time he was 32. A few other guys I saw earlier, you know, I think Lavernius finished pretty early as well, too. Um, but, yeah, for Nick Mangold – it's consistency. It's a high level two-time all pro seven-time pro bowl. Um, and it was all through different stages. It wasn't like he was just having a great stretch. It was consistent. And then some years, you know, he elevated even beyond that. Um, and, you know, he had the, he had four pro bowls in a row, 2008 to 2011, then 2013 to 2015 had him as well too. One of the best centers. I, I agree. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know, you know, eventually, as the years go on, you'll start to get some of these guys that were fringe hall of fame talents. That'll start to get a little bit of buzz, but maybe we should get that started. We can be the podcast that gets Nick Mangold into the hall of fame. Yeah. Let's do it. Cause he deserves like it. it. All right, cool. Well, just to go recap everybody's list real quick. Uh, my quarterback, Chad Pennington, Teddy went with his heart, Mark Sanchez, uh, a clear number two pick though, as well too. I might say both of us went Curtis Martin at running back. Vernius Coles and Jericho Cotri, a wide receiver, Dustin Keller at tight end. Both of us had to Brickishaw Ferguson there at uh, tackle. I went Jason Fabini. You went Damian Woody as your second. Both had Brandon Moore at guard. I went Alan Fanica as my other. You went with the young stud, Elijah Vera Tucker, and both finished things off with Nick Mangle. Teddy, that is our all 21st century Jets team. Oh, yeah. Feel? Great list. I feel good. good list. Strong list. Awesome. I wonder who's well, going to win when we put them out there yep we yeah i wonder. I don't know how you create a poll with this many words though <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to do a graphic and then below have the poll that's so a good idea we'll, maybe we'll wow do look that. at you maybe look we, at us. we'll get our graphic designer on that yeah exactly this guy uh yeah, thank AKA you guys Blake. we are gonna wrap things up today i don't know if we'll get back to the defense one next week this was more of a we're considering a it we're next week is, it. is training camp though i mean there's there's lots I, to talk about i want to talk position battles i want to get into all yeah, that storylines fun stuff that we got coming up um as, as guys get to uh to camp but thank you all so much for listening as always to another episode of chasing 69 uh, you can follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same as the YouTube Teddy at Teddy Hunt show. I am at Blake Andrew pace. Thank you so much. We are so close to football season today was today. And yesterday were really the first two days where I was like, okay. Wow. And I think it was because I, I wasn't, you know, there's not a lot of sports going on elsewhere. So I just spent a lot of time focusing on football. It's like, Hey, pretty fucking close. So we'll get there. We're gonna have some, a lot of fun this season. Uh, thank you, Teddy, as always for, hanging out and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.